0: John, yes, John chapter 7. What we're going to see is we're going to see two kinds of unbelief. You remember last week we talked in John chapter 6 where the crowd, they just wanted bread. They wanted to be fed. Jesus said, I am the bread. And they didn't like that kind of bread. They wanted, uh, you know, the actual bread. And so Jesus gave this sermon about... Um, how he was explaining their unbelief and he was explaining why they didn't believe and you know he was showing them that uh that it's given to them by grace the grace of the father and everything and if we come to john chapter 7 uh jesus is aware that the jews are trying to kill him and so he is going to stay he's going to kind of stay in galilee but there's a feast coming and so Uh, We're going to look at his brothers. What we're going to see is we're going to see there's a kind of unbelief that's selfish, which just says... I want what Jesus can give me. We've seen that before. We've talked about that before. We don't really want Jesus. We just want the benefits that Jesus can provide. I want to be happy. I want to have health. I want to be, you know, I don't really want Jesus as my Lord, but I want the things Jesus can provide for me. We're going to see that again. And then we're going to see uh, religious unbelief, which is belief that which unbelief that tries to find a loophole. To Jesus's teaching, have you ever? <clears throat> I can, I mean, just speaking for myself, I, I can remember times where where I've done this before. You know, all the time is it's like you know in your heart what Jesus said, the teaching of God, the teaching of God's word, but you look for a loophole that's going to let me out. And try I can justify myself by saying, you know, like last week I talked about the guy that, you know, I had a problem with that I needed to go apologize to everything in me was looking for a loophole. Everything in me was looking for a reason not to have to obey the command that Jesus gave me, you know, through scripture. I wanted a loophole to justify my actions, and what we're going to see is the religious people uh, that Jesus encounters at this feast are, are going to be the same way. So it's two types of people that we're going to look at today. Number one is those that ask the question, how can I get what I want out of Jesus? And number two is how can I get around what Jesus is teaching? You know, and still be quote unquote right with God. See what I mean? How can I still be right with God but get around what Jesus teaches? Let me look for a loophole. So let's read, I'm gonna just read the first 10 verses. And then we'll go back and look at it. It says, After these things, this is these things are is the sermon that Jesus preached about the bread, and I am the bread of life. It says, After these things Jesus walked in Galilee, for he would not walk in Jewry, which is Judea, Jerusalem, because the Jews sought to kill him. Now the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand. The feast of tabernacles was uh, it was a celebration of you know their trek through the wilderness. The they call it the feast of tabernacles or the feast of booths because they would build little sheds, little little shelters, and they would live in them for a week. You know, and it was like a big, huge celebration in Jerusalem, and every day of the week. They would have a procession that goes through the city. Uh, they would go from the pool of Siloam and take water, and they would bring water down around the altar. And they'd walk around the altar, and it was to symbolize the water that God provided and all that. And that was the kind of the scene that was going on when Jesus stood up and said, "If anybody thirsts, let him come to me and drink." You know. And then they would take these menorahs. You know what a menorah is? It's that you know the menorah is the candle, the seven. It, you know. I ain't got no chalk crackers. Used it all, but it's that it's that seven candlestick thing, you know. You see? They would take those things with the lights, and they would come and bring them, and and they would come walk procession would go through the city and all that, and that was the scene behind when Jesus stood up and said, "I am the light of the world." So all this is kind of going on, the Feast of Tabernacles, and uh, verse 3 says, His brethren therefore said unto him, these are his actual brothers, his half-brothers really, "Uh, Depart hence and go into Judea, that thy disciples also may see the works that thou doest. For there is no man that doeth anything in secret, and he himself... And he himself seeketh to be known openly. If if thou do these things, show thyself to the world. And then verse 5 says, For neither did his brethren believe on him. So the brothers, basically they're going to epitomize what we look at and we see as selfish <laughs> unbelief. I want to get what I want uh, out of Jesus. I don't necessarily want him to be my Messiah, my Lord, my whatever. Why do you think the brothers wanted him to go down to the festival and show everybody... His his magic tricks would be the way they'd probably look at it. His miracles. No idea? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That's my brother. That's my bubba. They would be, you know, if he was a miracle worker. Now, these were his brothers. Now, they grew up with him. They grew up knowing who Jesus is. They grew up, you know, they had probably noticed surely by now that something was different about him. You know, when they were crying and throwing their peas in the floor and stomping their feet and saying, Mama, I hate you. You know, Jesus wasn't doing none of that because he never sinned, you know. and uh, Luke tells us about a time when Jesus was 10 or 12 years old in the temple wowing the 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 teachers in the temple with his knowledge and everything so surely they knew that there was something different about him they were present when he turned water into wine they probably had seen many things about him many things that he had done so it wasn't a fact that they didn't understand that he was different he was the messiah figure he was but it tells us clearly in the text that they didn't believe on it, They didn't trust Him as their Lord. They didn't trust Him as their Messiah. But yet they wanted Him to go and show his, his stuff off to the world. He said, the, the key here I think is where it says, the one who seeks to be known openly. Did Jesus seek to be known openly at this point? No, it says right in verse 1 that He walked in Galilee and not in Jerusalem because they were seeking to kill Him. What? Well, that, oh. <clears throat> I took that part to be kind of like maybe they're a little resentful, and they wanted to kind of you know get in track get him in trouble, yeah now see, I thought about that, I thought about that. it could be like a joke like a Joseph situation where his brothers are just kind of well going ahead with your bad self, going down to Jerusalem, and you know I did think about that uh and and there is something to be said for that. Uh, But it just doesn't seem to be any animosity in his brothers, like, up until this point in any of the Gospels. There doesn't seem to be any uh, strife within the family or any, you know, things like that. So it's very possible. I'm not discounting it. I'm just saying it's possible, but uh, I think what I'm thinking is that they wanted... The notoriety that would come to their family, you know, if <laughs> this guy would, you know, show up and wow the crowd with his these big things. Um, but you could be right. It's just more the <laughs> sibling though. you know. how sibling Jackie said, "Yeah, yeah. be like know. taunting him, like, well, if you're this big, great guy, <laughs> why are you hiding out in <laughs> Galen?" Yeah, I mean, I thought about that. It could be, it it very well could be. Um, But the one thing that we see is that Jesus doesn't operate on their timetable. Jesus doesn't even operate on his own timetable. As he was, you know, he he was going to do what the Father said to do when the Father said to do it. It was about his mission, not about their you know, appeasing them, whether it was to make them happy or make give them notoriety, or just to give them the satisfaction of of you know, seeing him go to Jerusalem and out of their hair and maybe in trouble with the Jews. Um it was his mission. His it says in verse uh, six, it says for well for five says, For neither did his brethren believe on him, and then six said, Then Jesus said to them, My time is not yet come. What does that imply?
1: For people, it says that it was viewed that the Jews
0: sought to kill him. Right. So he was saying, "My time's not yet come for me to go public, so to speak." Right, right. So my time, but what did he mean? What was he basing the fact that his time hadn't come on? Was he was just, you know, thinking the cross. Right. Well, his time to be glorified, his hour, my hour's might to come, over and over, is going to talk about the cross. Who decided when his time would come? The Father. the Father would decide. So Jesus was not just there to operate at the whims of the crowd. He was not there to... Uh, make sure the brothers had good, you know, had good notoriety, or that you know he would just let them out of. He would just let him, let them, let himself be out of their hair. He was under the father's timetable. He was under the father's schedule, and he told his brothers this is kind of a backhanded slap. Here he says, he says, but your time is always ready. What does that mean?
1: If I could come to.
0: Well, do you think it means that they could come to Jesus?
1: Well, no, that they could come through Jesus to God.
0: Right. But I think he's saying my time has not yet come for me to go and show myself public, but your time is always ready. And here's the reason, verse 7. The world cannot hate you, but me it hateth, because I testify of it that the works thereof... Are evil. Why can't the world hate his brothers? Because <laughs> the brothers are put. So their time is always ready. Means you're part of you're part of the you know you're part of the establishment that you're wanting me to go to. He says I can. I the world is going to hate me. And why does the world hate Jesus? What does he say? He's not of this world. Of this world but what does he say in verse seven? Why does he hate? Huh? Yeah, he testifies that his that their works are evil. Have you ever noticed? Have you ever seen that? I mean, I'm sure you have that not only does Jesus when he comes when he comes into Jerusalem when he goes into we'll see that, but when he starts teaching and preaching, people start getting convicted of the sin. People start seeing his life, they start seeing his ministry, and they start seeing they start comparing themselves with him and they start saying Wow, I'm a sinner. You know, what are you saying? I'm not... The, the biggest thing that got Jesus in trouble was him saying, you guys don't know God. I mean, and there, for, for them, him to say to religious leaders, you don't know God, was like the ultimate slap in the face. But have you noticed that the Jesus that's in you, or the Jesus that's in me, when we get, we get around unbelievers, it, it convicts them of their sin. Not even with me saying, hey, oh, you need to stop what you're doing. I'm not talking about me getting all over somebody or or telling somebody they need to repent. Just the fact that you can see Christ in someone, it it makes them either, they'll do one of two things. They'll either repent and, you know, accept Christ or they will not want to hang around you no more, you know, because it really ticks them off. You know, I've seen that in... Well, like Dana, you know, she is one who, you know, like I, she's not here so I can talk about it, but we'll go down, we'll go down to, you know, around her area and with family members or friends or whoever, and she is not one to go and slap somebody in the face and say, repent! You know, thou shalt be saved. You know, she's not one to do that. She's not one that's going to make waves, you know, and make people uncomfortable and all that. Now, I, I might be a little more smart mouthy about stuff, you know, and which just happens. I mean, I know you all don't believe it, but it just happens to be. But she still has folks that... Um, Even though she doesn't verbally chastise people, you know she doesn't say, "Oh, you're a sinner and that's sin," and I, oh, how can we? You know, she doesn't do that at all. She just, you know, they say, "Hey, you want to come to this whatever we're having?" and it's like something that you know is probably not going to be a good thing, and she'll say, "No, thank you." And then I've seen it. I mean, like they'll invite her and say. You want to come to the? I'm I'm trying to be very general, you know, so I'm not telling you specifics. But they'll say, you want to come to this thing we're having? And she'll say, no, thank you. And then they'll be like, oh, you're too good for us. You know, it's like, wow. I just said no, thank you. You know, I mean, why, why are you getting me all? And I've I've seen it over and over again. Just walking around, living your life, just doing what you do. You don't even have to be. You ain't Bible thumping or you ain't slapping nobody in the face. You you just walking around, living your life for Christ the way that you know the way that He would have you living. And, and it just something about that offends people. And the way that it offends them is because they see they see that you. are are, I'm trying to choose my words carefully, but you're living your life at a higher standard, not necessarily doing better than someone else, not necessarily are you a better person or you are a more good person or all that, but you're shooting for a higher standard than other people are shooting for, and it makes them feel like, well, convicted, it makes them feel convicted of the sin. And most people, including myself, we don't like to be convicted. Do well, I, think, I think
1: they see you as having more control over your failures. Yeah, that's so what I was going to say. They see, no. they see you not
0: dropping below this line. They yeah. see you holding yourself up. Or at least not desiring to yeah. drop below a certain like line. It's in
1: our family, our biggest thing they plan things on
0: Right. Oh yeah. And then you have to say, "Well, we've got church, you know, and
1: we're going to church." That's and a big thing in mine and the too. Big things they'll say, "Well, we know y'all to go to church and all, so we're going to
0: do it you on know, such and such
1: day." And we're like, "What yeah. place they from?" <laughs> yeah,
0: it's like they tried them. That ha- that's happened in our family as well. Oh, yeah, oh. Just- and it's 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 almost like.
1: Well, we've had had that issue with, you know, the the Sunday get-togethers and stuff, and they'll throw in that, well, can't you just miss this one time? And we'll we'll say, well, "Well, what about the next one time?
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But God forbid that you would invite them to church on Sunday. Well, I can't go. I can't go. I got that's this. I got I sleep. That's the only day I get to sleep. Yeah. Wow. It sounds like y'all have all had the same experience. We all have the same family, don't we? Well, that was, that's kind of the deal here. Jesus said to his brothers, he said, look, you guys, and this is another reason why I'm thinking they wanted him to go, not because they want him in trouble, but Because they wanted him to do his stuff so they could feel special. They could could have, you know, the benefit of walking. See, these are country boys from Galilee. I mean, they... Nothing. Anything that Jesus is doing in Galilee, the Word has gotten to Jerusalem, but He's still in the backwoods. You know, Let's go to Jerusalem during the Feast of Tabernacles where there's thousands and thousands of pilgrims that have come into the city and they're all here to celebrate. If you're going to do something big, if you're going to be the Jewish Messiah, you've got to do it in Jerusalem where all the religious leaders are and everybody can see it. And one of the reasons why I, I did think about Him them just wanting to get him in trouble and get him out of the way was the way he responded to them was not like, you know, y'all just want me to go get killed or whatever. He was saying, no, you guys go ahead. You know, he says, my time it come. You know, the world hates me, but it can't hate you. So y'all just go ahead and go. And, um, it says that he when he had said this, he said, "Go up to the feast verse eight, I, I go not up yet unto this feast, for my time is not yet for my time is not yet full come. And then verse 9, when he had said these words unto them, he abode still in Galilee. But when his brethren were gone up, then went he also up unto the feast, not openly, but as it were in secret. Why do you think he went in secret? Huh? Yeah. It's just not as There wasn't time. Yeah, why and he and, Huh? Why did he go? I think that God told him to go. The Father told him to go. And so he went. Because he went in secret, but we're going to see here in just a second, he didn't stay secret. He he stood up in the middle of the temple courts and started teaching here here in just a minute. We'll see that in just but a second.
1: Is, but you know... But in taking the scripture literally, it says, "But when his brethren were grown up, then he went, you know, just just like he does, he went solo. You know, he didn't fall into the the what? brothers. You know, you do you do this, you do this, right? You know, we
0: did it the way it. his father would have him do it, not the way his peers would. Yes." Isn't it like, if, like your, if your family goes up to a piece like that, I mean, everybody's got a whole thick caravan. Oh yeah, caravan. not just, yeah. So it would have been noticeable that here's his family coming in and then to join. I mean, so it wouldn't have been, if he'd have went with them, it couldn't have been private for him. No, it would have been like a triumphal entry, like it was when he entered Jerusalem at the Passover. Because, if you think about it, the the caravans that would go up were not just, hey, it's me and my brothers, we're going. It It was all kind of people in Galilee. For instance, the last time... That we saw, not the last time, but earlier on in Scripture, I think it's in Luke, where the family went up to Jerusalem to, uh, you know, to whatever feast when Jesus was 12 years old. You remember, and he was in the temple and wowing people with the, it took, as they were traveling back to Galilee, it took... The parents like three days figure to to, to, yeah, to figure out that their son wasn't with them. So that shows you the size of the caravan that would have, have been going all, all the pilgrims going to Jerusalem it wouldn't have been just you know Jesus and my, my brothers going it would have been this huge ordeal of all these folks going on and, and they would have hailed Jesus as you know miracle worker Messiah whatever it would have been it would have been this big thing even here in a moment we'll see that we'll see that the jews speaking about the religious leaders were looking for him because they had heard that he was doing these miracles and they had they had they had seen that he healed the the You know, the guy that was paralyzed for 38 years, and they were expecting him to show up at this feast with this big grand, you know, grandiose thing about, you know, hey, I'm here, I'm the Messiah, and they they were plotting to kill him, and so it was a lot of things going on, a lot, a lot of things going on, and so there have been many discussions, just to let you guys know about, you know, in literature, commentators, preachers, scholars, writing about why Jesus why Jesus said he was not going and then went? Did he not know he was not going? Did, he, did God tell him to go after the fact? Did he know he was going when he told the brothers he wasn't going? There's a huge, there's whole books written just on that subject. So that is a subject that's debated widely. Um, my personal thinking is that he was telling them, I'm not going the way you want me to go. You just go on up to the feast and you know I'm going to go my own way. I'm not going the way that they wanted him to go. So, verse, uh, where are we at? When his brothers were gone, he went up in secret. Then the Jews, now we're going to see this, this, um, we're going to, this is more unbelief. I want you to see one thing that the Jews, in this chapter especially, and in John overall, most of the time, not all the time, but a lot of times. But in this chapter specifically, the Jews, when it says the Jews, it refers to the religious leaders. And when it talks about the rest of them, it calls them the people or the crowd. So it says the Jews, verse 11, then the Jews sought him at the feast and said, where is he? And there was much murmuring among the people. You see the difference? The Jews wanted to kill him. The people were murmuring about him. Uh, we're going to see that over and over, uh, concerning here. Some said, some of the people said he's a good man. Others said, no, but he deceives the people. And then it says, "Howbeit," it? Then it says, no man spoke openly of him for fear of the Jews. You see what I mean? The people didn't speak of him because they were afraid of the religious leaders they knew that he was they were trying to kill him they knew that it was a big stink it was going to be a huge ordeal and so the buzz was about this man named jesus from galilee the buzz was hey do you think he could be the messiah do you think he's the teacher do you think he's whatever and you could see that all of these people were confused about who he was because Neither one of them was right, was he? Jesus is not just a good man; he can't be just a good man, and he wasn't leading people astray. So, really, neither one of them was right. You still see the, that today. Someone will say, "Well, I just think Jesus was a real good teacher. He was like, you know, he was like Buddha or Muhammad, or you know, he was just a prophet. He was a teacher. He was whatever." But we can't hold that and be consistent, can we? Because Jesus taught that he was God. There's no way around it. We've already seen it over and over again in John, just in the first six chapters. Jesus taught that he was God. So therefore, he can't be a good man because if he taught that he was God and he wasn't God, then he was lying. (laughs) Or he was crazy, you know, one of the two. So he can't just be a good man and when you 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 may run into folks that say that think that same way that you know Jesus was just a good teacher or whatever but the reality was that he taught that he was God. So so he can't. So everybody got that so far? All right, y'all have gotten quiet all of a sudden. So that's The first category. The second category is going to be religious unbelief. Now this is a whole lot... This is kind of what I wanted to get to because we've talked over and over again already about people who want what Jesus can give them but don't want Jesus. But here you're going to see people that try. they are trying their best to find a loophole that I can slip through in Jesus' teaching where I'm technically keeping the law... But in my heart, I know that I've, I'm really not doing what God wants me to do. see what I mean? Let me put it another way. Uh, in my heart, I know that I'm not doing what God wants me to do. But based on the letter of the law, I'm still doing what I'm supposed to do, so I'm okay. You see what I mean? see what I mean? Like I told you about the guy b- before that I had a confrontation with, you know, by by. If I took the if I took the you know there's a command that says um, if any man obey not this the teaching in this letter have no company with it you know I will take that and I will use that to my advantage to harbor you know ill will or feelings of whatever in my heart see but I've done that before like well I you know I in my heart I know that I'm not doing what God wants me to do but I can justify myself because it says you know have no company are y'all with me do you understand what I'm trying to say okay good I'm just making sure all right Verse 14, it says, and we're only going to do about nine more verses, so I'm not going long. I'm going to try to cut things short from now on. Now about the middle of the feast, the midst of the feast, Jesus went up into the temple and taught. Okay, so He didn't stay secret. He started teaching. And the Jews, who were the Jews? Uh, The religious people, religious leaders, they marveled saying, how knoweth this man letters having never learned? They were were shocked that He... uh, uh, could expound the scripture, his knowledge of the scripture, his command of the scripture was so great, even though he had never been through their rabbinic schools. You know, there was, there was, huh?
1: I Curtis, I was like, well, yeah, he was given his autobiography.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, they were marveling because, you know, it was, basically it was like, hey, where is your diploma? You know, like where, who have you studied under? You know, And Jesus had none of these things, yet no one could doubt the authority that he spoke with. No one could doubt the command that he had uh, over the Scriptures. Uh, verse 14, no, I already said that. They marveled. And Jesus answered them, and he said, My doctrine, my teaching, is not mine, but his that sent me. He, this is, you know, dang, what is that? Was that you on the front row? Uh-huh. Like some hand lotion or something. Yeah. Shoo. You don't like it? Huh? It's just stout. Oh, my bad. bad. It's okay. Um, <laughs> he says he, he he gives a promise. Verse sixteen. Jesus answered them. This is really what messed me up. I was I was supposed to uh, I was supposed to go over to Blake's house last night, but I could not get through. This section right here. It says, If any man will do his will, now if I was translating that, I would say, If any man desires to do his will, or wants to do his will, he shall know the doctrine, the teaching, whether it be of God, or whether it be, whether I speak of myself. What do y'all think that means? Like if... Like they always say, like when you're going to witness well, that's true. That's true. He said they were questioning whether Jesus, where did he get his teaching from? Because back then you had to have a, a scholar to quote. You know, I get this from Rabbi Hallel or whatever. And so Jesus said, look, I, my doctrine is not my own, but he's pointing to God the Father. And he said that if you d- want to, in your heart, to do God's will. If you want to do God's will, then you will know where my teaching comes from. Now, somebody's going to say something. No, somebody would. would. I always, but if you, you said it, I yeah. basically. Basically, he's saying, and this is what, I mean, this is, this is a hard... Hard thing. Basically, he sa- it seems like he's saying that to have a right understanding of my teaching, of my law, of my words, you have to have a right heart that desires to do God's will. And then the knowledge will come. And then the knowledge will come. Boy, and that, for me, that's backwards. You know, I mean, he's right and I'm wrong, but I'm just saying, it just seems in my life, it, it I want it the other way around. I want to learn and study and do all those things, and then that will show me how to obey God's will. And in a sense, there is.
1: What he's saying saying here is that the the Jews, the teach, the religious people relied on their knowledge. Where he's saying you rely on the relationship with God.
0: Right. Well, he's saying that he's not saying that learning is a bad thing or that knowing scripture is a bad thing or whatever. But he's saying that you can't rightly understand without having a right heart, knowing and without desiring to do God's will. This, this really ties back to where Jesus talks about coming to Him like a child.
1: A child comes out of faith. God, child doesn't know the things we know about the
0: Bible. <coughs> but children can come and be saved just as same as a 90-year-old man. Mm-hmm. But He's saying have faith and then you will get to God. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And doesn't that sound like circular reasoning? Like, if, if Michelle here is an atheist, and she and I are arguing over God's stuff, and I say to her, well, you just have to believe first, and then you'll understand. I mean, if she was an atheist, if I was an atheist, somebody said that to me, I'd be like, okay. <laughs> but the reality, is, the reality is that it goes back to exactly what he was saying in John chapter 6. You, unless it's given to you by my Father, you can't come to me. Unless you're drawn by the Spirit, you you can't come to me. It's not something you can just wake up and say, "You know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go and believe all this stuff. I'm gonna go and do all this stuff." It it it's something that. uh, Well, just for instance, I've told you this story before. I studied the Bible for years and I could tell you about how many animals on the ark. I could tell you about, you know, I knew all the facts. I knew all kinds of facts, and fact, about stuff. But it wasn't until I was saved that I started seeing God speaking to me through the scripture. See what I mean? It wasn't until I was saved that I saw that he was, you know, that... I could see him speaking into my own life things that weren't just facts. It wasn't just how many animals were on the ark or how many, you know, how many I mean, people not, were on the sound. It well, it wasn't a relationship exactly. until until I was saved. And so in that sense, you could say that I really didn't know anything. Because all I knew was facts and figures, and I gained understanding about this and that. And I read this book and that book, and they would tell me who this guy was and that guy was. But that's it, the history of it. Right. When you've got relationship with him, you go through your Scripture, and he uses the Scripture to reach you on a personal level. Right. It's right. your history knowledge that 's exactly right that 's exactly right, and so they were asking jesus where where is he getting all this he 's never been to school, whatever, and he looked dead dead in the face to him and said, "I mean, anyone who desires to do god 's will uh, they 'll know where my teaching's from." He would say, My teaching's from the Father, and if you desire to know god 's will or if you will to do god 's will uh if you will do God's will, then you'll know where my teaching's from. Doesn't that blow you away? I mean, I spent I, I spent a long time just trying to figure that out, just trying to wrap my mind around because that it says a lot to me. Because I like to study, I love to study, I love to read. You know. I love to read books and theology and all that kind of stuff, but the basis of understanding who Jesus is and what He did and what His words truly mean doesn't come from my academics and it doesn't come from how much you know. It comes from desiring to do God's will. It comes from a right heart. It comes from a heart that only God can give you. So when you you know, sit in service and you're listening to the preaching and all this stuff, you you know, some of us have a tendency to... You know when, uh, like Johnny Wayne was preaching on New Year's Eve, and some of us have a tendency, might maybe, to think, well, "I don't heard all this before." I mean, he's saying the same thing he always says. Well, that's really the point. It's the gospel. It's the gospel that grows you in your faith. It's the gospel, the words of Christ that that grow you in that in that belief in that relationship with Him. I don't know if that makes any sense, but uh, that's kind of where I was coming from. You make. It. Make sense? Yes. Michael, does that make sense? You're looking at me like it don't make sense. I got a booger or something. All right. Now it's time to ask. Just ask. It don't matter. All right. Verse 16 Jesus said, oh, no, we already read that. 16 and 17, the promise, that's the promise that he makes. If, if If you will do his will, if you desire to know his will, if you desire to do his will, if you desire to be obedient, then you will know. You will know. Verse 18. Verse 18, he says, He that speaketh of himself... Speaketh of himself, seeketh his own glory. But he that seeketh his glory, seeketh that glory that sent him. Man, I'm getting all tongue tied But he that seeketh his glory that sent him, the same is true. Talking about the guy. He is true, and no unrighteousness is in him. That's tacked on to the end of verse 17. You see what it's saying? It's saying... You won't be right, you won't know right, you won't know righteousness until you stop seeking your own glory and start seeking His glory. He's telling them, first of all, until your heart desires to do God's will, you won't know, you won't know where my teaching comes from or, or all these questions about me. And secondly, he says, until you start seeking God's glory above your own glory, He's like, you won't be true, you won't be walking in the truth, you won't be righteous, you won't be any of those things. you understand what that means? you understand what he's saying? That he's saying, the point of the whole passage, and we'll see it in a minute, is that these Jews, the, and I use the word the way he used it, the religious leaders, they are looking for a loophole to get out of what Jesus is saying to them to get out of what he's teaching they are they want to keep the letter of the law and be able to justify their actions by the scripture by just looking at what it says and using the scripture to justify what I'm doing and they're looking for a loophole to kind of let them out of actually doing what God wants them to do does that make sense like that's a good example like uh, the only one I can think of is that what I told y'all about me and that guy at the body shop last week. You know where God was telling me to go apologize to him, and I didn't want to. And Scripture would pop into my mind, and then I, I would have another Scripture that would justify I
1: me not going to. Yesterday, um, went to a family get together. A friend of the family was there with her daughter, and her daughter's 15, and, you know, she just out of nowhere, we were speaking in church and everything, she just out of nowhere said, well, my daughter is uh, agnostic, she
0: doesn't believe me,
1: and, I mean, they were throwing at me, because I was, for the first time, I was actually kind of quiet and I wasn't, but what came to me is they kept throwing at me, you know, but she's a really good person even my righteousness is filthy right i mean just right there and and my first question to them was well do you believe what the bible says from genesis chapter one to the last chapter of revelation and they were like some of it and there and again, you know, do not take away or add to the scriptures. And that's what she was basically trying to do is that she was explaining to me that her daughter was taking different parts of different religions and kind of making her own. Mm-hmm. And I was so fortunate to have my ball. I had my ball with me, and I was just showing. And, and these are scriptures that I've just heard, and they're not the ones that I necessarily study on myself, but that would just, I mean, continuously popping into my head. Right. And they were looking for a loophole of being rounded on, but I'm a good person and
0: I don't hurt people. Right. Oh, we all kind of have... Nobody wants to be wrong. I mean, none. Of, I don't want to be wrong. It just has to name it. I don't want to be wrong. Well, if you ask Daniel, she'll tell you I'm never wrong. (laughs) No, that's not really. But nobody wants to be wrong. And when we are wrong, we fight not to be wrong. And I'm just speaking of myself here. I don't know about any of y'all. But I will try to find any loophole in God's Word, any kind of technicality that can justify what I'm doing and... You know, for example, if Jimmy was to walk up to me and say, "Look, Jason, I saw you the other day," probably not the thing that a Christian would be doing. I would say, "I have sin and fall short of the glory of God." Are you judging me? Don't judge me. You know, I would use all those passages to justify myself when the reality is my heart simply does not want <laughs> to do what God wants me to do. In that, see what I'm saying? It's not a matter of. It's not a matter of. Do I understand the scripture or do I whatever? My heart does not want to be wrong. It does not want to do what God wants me to do. Therefore, I take the letter of the law and I go to justify my actions. And with all the technicalities and all the things that you can find, I could probably justify just about anything in one form or another, but it doesn't change the fact that my heart knows what God wants me to do and I just don't want to do it. See? See? That's what these Jews were gonna. These guys were gonna do. Look, look at verse uh, verse nineteen. It says Jesus is going to. Jesus is going to play out the principle that he just told him about. He said, you know, verse 17 says, if you if you desire to do God's will, if you will to do God's will, then you will know. And this is how he proves it. Verse 19 says, did not Moses give you the law and yet none of you keep the law? Why do you go up? Why do you go about to kill me? And uh, he, he said, basically he's saying, Look, Moses gave you thou shalt not murder, and y'all are running around trying to kill me. Now, the thing that tickles me the most is these guys, the people now, not the not the religious leaders, but the people, they act like they don't even Oh, what? Somebody's trying to kill you? Is if the, the people answered and said, Thou hast a devil, who goes about to kill thee? Well he says thou hast a devil, they're basically saying you're crazy. That's what that's what it looked like back then. you just crazy. Who's trying to kill you? Did the people really know that somebody was trying to kill them? Yeah. How did, why do we think that? Uh, you're exactly right, but why do we think that? Because they were murmuring back and forth. They knew, but they weren't saying anything publicly. They wouldn't say nothing in front of the Jews. Verse 1 in this chapter tells us that they were trying to kill him. Then, right before Jesus got to the feast, the people wouldn't say anything publicly because they knew the Jews were after him. And then if you look down uh, in verse 25, which we're not going to look at today, but we'll get to next week. Verse 25, it says, Then said some of them of Jerusalem, Is this not he whom they seek to kill? They knew exactly what was going on. But when Jesus called them out on it, they were like, What? Somebody's trying to kill you? And so th- here, here it was, they were accusing this man of breaking God's law and they were seeking to kill him for breaking God's law, but yet he was an innocent man. And so they were breaking God's law by accusing him of breaking God's law. It? Y'all, got, y'all got that? Okay. They were using the letter of the law to get what they wanted done. See what I mean? They wanted him gone. They wanted him out of the way, and they were using the letter of the law to do that. Although God's will had no, it, it had no uh, place in their heart. They could care less what God wanted. They were using the law to get what they wanted. So in verse twenty, it says. Uh, verse twenty-one says, "Jesus answered, and he said unto him, Four more verses, and then we're done. I have done one work, and you all marvel." Why did they want to kill him? What work is he talking about right here? Where he healed the man on the Sabbath. Very good. That was in chapter 5. Where he healed the man on the Sabbath. All of a sudden Jesus did a work on the Sabbath. Oh, you're not supposed to do that. So therefore they sought all the more to kill him. Moses, verse 22, he says, Moses therefore gave unto you circumcision, not because of, of Moses but of the fathers, and you on the Sabbath day circumcise a man. If a man on the Sabbath day receives circumcision, that the law of Moses should not be broken. Basically it's saying, why are you angry at me? Because I have made a man every whit whole on the Sabbath day. You see what he's saying? Confused? Basically what he's saying is, look, you guys, you guys circumcised, you had to circumcise a baby on the eighth day. It had to be on the 8th day. And circumcision was the purification ritual that brought them into the covenant. Okay? You are brought in birth, the 8th day you were circumcised, that brought you into the covenant people that made you part of the people of God. It was very important. It was, it was extremely important. It was so important to the Jews, and rightly so, that if that 8th day fell on a Sabbath, they would sure enough do it anyway. See what I mean? Because it was that important. And they made exception for the fact that, you know, actually that is work. Cutting away the foreskin of a baby, you know, is kind of is kind of work. So they made exception to that fact. And Jesus was saying, look. If you rightly so see that you must purify, that you must bring into covenant this child on a Sabbath day, why are you getting mad at me when I fulfilled what the Sabbath was meant for in the first place? I made a whole man whole. I made the whole man pure before Jesus healed this man. He couldn't go to the temple, he couldn't worship God, he was outcast, he was, you know, paralyzed, he was an invalid, he couldn't do all the things that they could do. He was basically separated. From all the people. And he said, I made this whole manhole. Made this whole manhole? I made this manhole? Made this manhole? No, okay. Uh, I made the entire manhole. I still said manhole. so <laughs> anyway, you get the point though, right? Jesus was saying, You're a big hypocrite, man. You're doing you're doing work on the Sabbath because you understand that the Sabbath the fulfillment of the Sabbath is to give man rest and to make him make him whole. The only way a baby can come into the covenant with God is if they are circumcised on the eighth day and you do that on the Sabbath. Yet here I am. I made this whole this entire man whole on the sabbath and you're seeking to kill me do you see how they were using the law to find a loophole all they really wanted was jesus out of the way you just get get this jesus guy gone so we can go back to doing the way things that we've always done the way that we always done that's all they wanted and they were using the law to try to get what they wanted done rather than following the law because that's what was god's will for them does that make sense y'all with me A couple, one more verse and we're done. Final verse in this is 24. We'll stop there and we'll look at 25 through the rest next week. It says, Judge not according to appearance, but judge righteous judgment. What does that mean, you think? In the context of what he's been saying so far. He's talking about the meaning of God's Word, the meaning of God's law, what I'm supposed to be doing, what God wants for me, what really is sin, judge with a righteous judgment. You judge by what God's will is behind the letter of the law. Does that make sense? Like, I'm trying to think of a good example. I'm not, I'm not doing very good. No, I better not say that. Better pick that one up next week. Huh? Well, let me just say this. How can the most misused verse in the Bible is judge not lest ye be judged, you know, blah, blah, blah. Everybody picks that up as their favorite verse. But yet, here, Jesus is telling us we should judge. But we should not judge by appearances, but judge with a righteous judgment. See what I mean? We judge. We judge not by not by the external things. That's what these folks were doing. They were they were judging based on the external application of the law. Yes. I mean, a couple of examples of Jesus gave in other parts of the scripture or the, the good, you know, the Samaritan. You know, they told them you know, about the ox that falls in the ditch and all that. All that you know. I mean, he's given other examples. Which, uh, right. To us. Don't get caught up on the letter without trying to fill the meaning. See what I mean? Technically, Technically, I haven't committed adultery if I don't do the act. Right? But Jesus said if you look at another... See what I mean? With lust. So I could walk around just lusting all day long, looking at all kind of stuff. And I could feel good about myself going, well, I ain't done nothing wrong. I hadn't committed adultery. But really, Jesus was telling us that, yeah, you, you've, you've, you've done it in your heart. Therefore, judge with a righteous judgment about what God's will is, not just by the letter of the law. Make sense? I am so late. I got to go.